This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. All right, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. We're going to keep it short and sweet yet again. So, topic this week, it's been a big week in magic news. Obviously, we had the blockbuster unbanning of Stoneforge two weeks ago. The modern meta shifted a little bit. But Gamescom was last weekend, and one of the biggest announcements that came out was they announced all four non-supplemental sets for next year. So, we're going to be delving into how that can help you with specs and finances and what you can expect from that. Yep. So, we've got four sets uh, available. It's Theros Beyond Death or yep. RTT, Return to Theros. Yes. Ikoria, Lair of Behemoths, Core 2021, and Zendikar Rising. Uh, so I actually am pretty excited for Theros Beyond Death. Mm-hmm. And the reason that is, is one, uh, we finally get Elspeth back. So finally we can break away from this Namby Pamby, here's our five walkers, which thankfully we're starting to do with Throne of Eldrain. Yeah. I hate the Gatewatch. I'm also excited because, to me, Beyond Death implies Graveyard. Yes. So we'll see some Graveyard shenanigans, I would think. Uh, We had Gideon just die and go back to the Underworld on Theros in the Mm storyline. We know Elspeth is there with a mask, or maybe she's the Wanderer. Who knows? Uh, But I think that that means there's potential there for Graveyard shenanigans for one, and two, for enchantments. So the Theros block before, you know, Constellation was big. Uh, you could bestow. The foiling was terrible, but we also got the gods as their enchantments. So I anticipate very much a graveyard matters and an enchantment matters set. Yes. And obviously, cards like the Enchantresses have potential to spike here. Replenish, I think, is an obvious one. Yep. Not um, only is the reserve list, it's also one of the best cards for enchantments. Yeah, we've also seen shopping carts of insane amounts of Halls of Heliod. I think we saw one cart for like was it 200 copies at $600, something like that. So yeah. $3 each. Like, it's obviously, you know, going to be a pretty good set for speculators, I would mm-hmm. think, if you go into the right things. Yes. And to me, the right things are graveyard shenanigans and enchantments. I think Hall of Heliod's generosity... Uh, Modern Horizons, which we'll touch on in my pick, has kind of bottomed out now. We've we've reached the bottom for a lot of rares that yeah. are worth hitting. So I think this is a good time to pick up Hall of Heliod's Generosity because Bogles is already a deck in Modern, uh, which could get some help if we have something similar to bestow back. Uh, it's also possible that we get Enchantress. We may have something that pushes Enchantress there. The only thing it's really missing is a draw engine that's cheap, because we have the Enchantresses, but they're three mana, and a way to ramp off of enchantments. And if we get something like Sarah's Sanctum out of this, like a Nykthos, but for enchantments, yep. I think we're in a really good position here. Uh, so that's that's something that, for me, that's what I'm excited about for this set. Now, I I like the, the idea of the set. Instead of being on the surface, we're going to move into the Underworld, so we get to hang out with Arabos and his crew. Yeah. And we get to see a little more of what goes on down there if, if you kept up with the storyline Gideon basically watched all his crew die around him 
So you have that red white wheel of fourth or winds of change. Yeah. Uh, with the art of Gideon in the underworld, that was basically your tell. You know that. Yeah. We're going to see this come about. So we should get to see a couple. I would expect a couple more Gideon centric cards. Hopefully, uh, enchantment based. Um, and I I don't think we're going to get a Nykthos direct. I don't think we're going to to see another. Uh, what was that called? Shrine of Nykthos? No, 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 the mechanic. Oh, Devotion? Devotion. Uh, I don't think we're going to see another land that works exactly like Nykthos regarding Devotion. We might see it uh, in some other odds and ends. Uh, in, but we might see Devotion come back as a mechanic. I don't buy that the uh, Cavaliers were plants for Devotion. I actually checked the Storm Scale is still being maintained. And Devotion is a 4, which is low and Bestow is a 6, so based on that scale, we might see Devotion before we see Bestow, but yeah. if player feeling was anything, I don't, the Devotion mechanic squashed that standard environment. Like it just, Great Merchant was a great card. So was Master Waves. Yeah. And those decks really kind of took advantage of the Devotion mechanic. Even the Red-Green Monsters deck was Devotion at heart because you used Nykthos to power up uh, Polychronos and fight your way across the board. Yep. So I I would agree that we're going to see more enchantment-based cards than we're going to see Devotion-based cards, and I hope a lot of this set deals with the graveyard as a whole. There's no reason why that can't be the primary theme of the set. It is out-of-color pie, quote-unquote, but cards like Breath of Life do exist in the game and they have been reprinted. I think time shifted the last time. It's a white reanimation spell. It costs four, I believe, three and one, and it just plops a creature right back into play. You yep. know, instead of costing you one and some life or two and it's symmetrical. You know, it's just a direct reanimation spell. Yeah. And red obviously mucks in the graveyard, so you know, that's right there. You know, the Mardu wedge. wedge. You know. Yeah, Mardu definitely deals with it. That works in it. I mean, even to an extent, Blue does, because you get stuff like Mystic Retrieval or just Flashback, oh, yeah. Careful Study. Yeah. I mean, all those things deal with the graveyard. So. Absolutely. I, I don't think this is a good place for Threshold. I think that mechanic is difficult for new players, but I'd be hard to believe that there won't be something based around the graveyard going with the Underworld theme in here. Yeah. And it's not like we extended our reach for mythological creatures within the underworld but if i had to guess we might see a lot of the same style creatures come back that we were before so they're really going to hammer home the rest of the greek mythos here yeah and i assume we'll get the gods back or different gods this time maybe the weapons for the other 10 gods the multicolored. yeah i have to assume we'll complete a couple of cycles here because there were some that just weren't finished yeah. And who knows, it may be, you know, multicolor, so we'll see Wedge Gods or Shards Gods, too. Yeah, the, the other ones. And it's, yeah. It, it definitely is going to take a, a scalpel to really spec on some non-obvious targets to see what's going on. Um, yeah. The green Eidolon, the, the, that one's the Enchantress that was in Standard, along with Doomwake Giant that, like, made that Constellation deck. Yeah. So that's a card that could pick up. It costs more than three, which is not your standard Enchantress price. But in in and of itself is a, is an enchantment that draws a card when you play it, so it might be worthwhile looking into. Yeah, we also might see some weird ramp come back in the form of things like Uto uh, Utopia Sprawl or other uh, low CMC land based enchantments. Uh, the one from RTR Mono Bloom was good for that deck, but terrible overall. True. And it was such a galumpy design that it 
while that was an RTR card, it does stand to reason that they could bring something like that back. There was also Astral Cornucopia in Theros block originally, correct? The triple X artifact that was yeah. the metal set. So yep. while we're not feasting on top of the plane, we'll be reveling underneath, so maybe we see something similar. I mean, we might yeah. see some unique commander staples in that regard, maybe an enchantment form. Yeah, I definitely expect that based, again, on what Theros did last time, it's going to do way more for a commander, I think, than any other format. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's just big dumb things and casual splashy effects. Absolutely. So uh, that's that's fully what I would expect as well, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, moving on to Ikoria, the layer of the behemoth or behemoth, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, I liked this set, the idea behind it. I didn't hear the announcement that uh, Myro made about that build-your-own-monster thing, which makes me think of the Hydra minigame to Theros block more so than actually like a choose-your-own-adventure-on-a-card. But the reason I like this set is because we we no longer have obvious blocks. We have these non like they handed us Ravnica, right? Yeah. But I think we knew we were getting a few sets. Exactly. I think this is kind of the new block structure where we don't exist on the same plane, but we do exist in the same storyline or the same story elements. So we go from uh, fairy tale land back into Greek. Uh, mythos and then layer of the behemoths is just going to be the big giant dummies left between both of them this is where i assume we'll find our giant dragons we'll find uh any oh, i had some other ideas about this too but you know krakens and stuff like that anything yeah. that's big and dumb and basically allows you to kind of play battle cruiser magic where things cost eight plus easily this kind of rounds that out it might have the same kind of feeling that legions did as well where it's a very creature heavy set and not really a spell heavy set and a lot of the creatures and legions while they were at that game there's uh at that in that era the game was more about spells than creatures but those creatures were just insane for that yeah they were they were just busted in half so yeah and i think this set also when you look at it is kind of what magic is meant to be right now which is very creature oriented they want creatures to do a lot of things they want creatures to just heavy punch in combat and i think this is going to be the set to do that and it this is what we can see moving forward is that we will get two three maybe four sets in a row that kind of continue the same theme and so you can see standard unfold a little bit ahead of time if we continue to get announcements like this Mm -hmm. previously we would get uh for the years i was paying attention we would get the notification eventually what plane we were going to they were codenamed in uh three name or three word uh, yeah, like blood, sweat, tears. Pan- yeah, like pancake eggs or something. Bacon. Bacon. Yeah, yeah uh, the, the rock, paper, scissors stuff, right? Yeah. So while these may not be codenamed cutely anymore to kind of represent a three-set block, I think the idea behind them kind of creates this cohesive idea of what we're supposed to see and what we're supposed to do. In, yeah. in regards to finances, I'm not really sure how to look at this set because it's kind of unique where if we're just going to get this big battle cruiser magic style stuff we really have to wait to see what they're going to be doing with these creatures how pushed are these creatures going to be and yeah. how well do they synergize with what we already have like we we were basically gift wrapped the entire night tribal deck for edh not too long ago and one of the things i assume is that if you pull from myth traditionally what knights fight and how they interact with other uh, objects and people in um like camelot style lore or uh spanish style lore you're going to see a lot of those creatures and a lot of those interactions come through i mean we might even get a windmill you never know i would love that 
<laughs> swing your sword at your windmill. Yeah. And if it is just big battle cruiser style stuff, then I think then these creatures are just going to be home runs for EDH for the most part. And then you just look at what is the low hanging fruit price for standard, and you buy in. You look at the low hanging yeah. mythics, and you look at the low hanging rares, and you buy in on what looks to be kind of bulk pricey. And that's the way yeah. to go. It, it's hard. I, it's hard to figure out in that regard. I, I think for me, the stuff that I'm looking at for this set, assuming we're getting just big dumb stuff. Yeah. And that's all it is, is just the biggest and dumbest of things. Uh, cards like Mael the Anima, the foil. Yep. Uh, because despite being reprinted a million times, it only has one foil. Mm -hmm. uh, Mael's Aria, the stuff that just generically combines with big, dumb dudes. Yeah, you look at basically on Wreck, what's in the Mael deck, and you find the enchantments that trigger off yeah. those giant guys. Fierce Empath to go fish, I think, only has one foil printing from Legion as well. Every other yeah. time it's been in a... I'll double check that. That makes sense. Yeah, got it. Tooth and uh, nail. Yeah, tooth and nail, and then you know my personal favorite, uh, Sarkin's unsealing. We're still riding that train, baby. We're gonna get there. <laughs> We're gonna ride that one to the ground. I absolutely am. I'm buying thirty-two more of them right now. Oh, then uh, <laughs> uh, those the just generic like supported by big dumb things. Yeah. I think are a good opportunity. N maybe not to see a permanent price increase, but to at least see a spike. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that that's, that's key here, is that a lot of these things, they're going to spike immediately. Some of them may not be real. Some of them may. Yeah. Uh, for example, Fierce Impith Foil's low right now is about 5 bucks. Yeah, A25 is the other printing that has a foil. And so you have Legions and you have A25. Everything else was uh, supplemental sets like a, uh, a dual Plane deck chase or, or commander. Dual deck, yeah. yeah. Um, and then those are two drastically different foil printings because the original printing is old border. Yes. So that, that doesn't count. No. Um, and that's, that's the type of thing that I think, you know, when, when I see, that's what I'm looking at here. Yeah. Is, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I think a good way to kind of sum this up, because we're going to come at this from different angles, but we're still going to get to the same place, is you look at generals on rec that are made for big dumb fatties like uh, Mael and Riku. Yeah. And you look to see what spells get you your big dumb fatties, what spells cast your big dumb fatties, and what spells cheat your big dumb fatties. Yep. And those are going to be your targets. And then you might have some su some supplemental stuff like uh, we you know Nykthos we just mentioned, or um, I don't think there's only we only have two locust lands, so Cloudpost and Glimmerpost aren't aren't going to do anything. Yeah. But you might get some weird stuff with like storage lands because. Uh, proliferates a thing yeah it's that's all true. over now right <clears throat> so pumping yeah. those up quickly and you might see uh, certain m mana flares take off depending oh, on what yeah, these are sure. uh, i think vernal bloom is still pretty cheap uh, in all printings because it's been in a, a large number of sets you have zendikar resurgent which is probably one of the the best mana flares overall because you get to draw that card you get actual mana flare and mm, heartbeat of spring and mono yeah. reflection, uh, yeah, mono reflection, right? That's the six yep. CMC one from. Shadow yeah, that's Moore. the six one that is propelled entirely by EDH, which again is like the bread and butter. Yeah, and the fact that Shadow Moor is like not a set. Yeah, basically whatever. doesn't exist, unfortunately. Well, those packs are ridiculously insane if you can find them. Yeah, they are. So, yeah, uh, pick and choose. I personally like mono flare effects and tooth and nail, just because it's a thing, right? Yeah. It, it, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit here, but you gotta 
you don't have to be as surgical as with Theros and the enchantment themes. You can wait and be fine, or you can just look at what's happening now and kind of follow the trends in regards to those kind of cards. Modern Reflections yeah. never goes down. It just no, only up. Nope. Uh, and then I'm actually excited for somehow core 2021 uh one i think it would be very nice to get good cantrips back in magic and that's probably the next time we're likely to have it happen since that uh brainstorm that was kind of sort of spoiled was confirmed fake mm -hmm. unfortunately sorcery speed uh so i just want something like that to happen i think good cantrips and standard are a good spot to be in yeah uh and i think that honestly for the last couple core sets we've had some very pushed cards especially core 20 like veil of summer mystic forge uh manifold key like these are very very pushed aggressive powerful cards that you know years ago from basically m10 to origins you didn't expect to see something immediately make that much of an impact on eternal formats because the power level for it was so high yeah uh, and I'm actually excited to see what they do with the next iteration of the core set. I mean, Veil of Summer was hot listed at Indy this weekend uh, for $2 for non-foils. $2. Uh, that's what I think I had them in the case for at Vegas, either two or three. Yeah, so. I mean, that's that, and that's an in-print standard foil. So, I, okay. I mean, it's it's just incredibly high power shifting ceratops is seeing play in eternal formats like there's just a lot of opportunity that and you know eating my hat here uh wizards has actually done a decent job with the last two core sets and creating good impactful cards yes and them they you know i know they came out and they said we're doing this you know we're bringing core sets back because we want basically a place for you know eternal eternal staples not in eternal formats yeah. but cards that should always be staples they changed their philosophy on core sets instead of it being 50% uh, reprint equity yeah they're making it 50% you know eternal staples. equity yeah yeah uh and it's like you know you get decent walkers out of these uh i mean vivian out of a core set was a $40 walker at one point in standard mm -hmm. Uh, Psy and M19 and then you know you get your decent reprint stuff like Reliquary Tower yeah. uh, maybe a Thought Vessel or I mean even you know the Stitcher Supplier was an M19 and that card got three decks banned basically um, I, I just I'm excited to see what they do with the next core set because I think they're actually doing a good job with them yeah. and it'll be interesting to see what they push uh, I haven't really given core 2021 that much thought because i honestly haven't given core 2020 that much thought it's just been the cards i need to play older formats and it's always interesting when a core set rolls around to see what we get and how they want a direct standard coming up because that's usually yeah. that previously when it was reprint equity that didn't really give you a lot of inclination as to where standard was going unless it was something uh, like lightning bolt yeah and then they kind of ham-fistedly told you that standard is most likely going to have a lot of x1s twos and threes coming up so here you go protect your butt you know yep but we this is an also it's also an opportunity to get kind of creative with your land cycles which i like yeah 
I I think that's another good point. Is it's a great cycle opportunity. Yeah, we the Czech lands were first in M10. Yeah. The last time, actually, aside from Ice Age and Apocalypse, every time we've had Pain lands in Standard, they came through corsets. That's seventh, eighth, ninth, I believe, and Origins. Yep. They've come through, and they've allowed you yeah. to just kind of play the game as you would. There, there's, while that is reprint equity and that shapes standard, it's also not a bad place to put those as opposed to sets where you might want those slots for something a little more interesting. Like core twenty, yeah, yeah core twenty was an interesting plant for the temples because yeah. that pulls five slots from Theros. Yep, and we can now go back and use those five slots for the last temples and five new lands. Yeah. And that's it's also interesting because now with the way rotation works, if we get the other five lands in Theros, we'll just have all ten of them until both, like, all ten rotate. Essentially, so yeah. they'll just all be there, which is nice. Yeah, and after that, you have all uh, ten temples, etc. You don't need to do much more. You know, standard no. wasn't slow with Return to Rav and Theros, and it wasn't slow with Theros and Comps because a lot of your lands ETB tapped. It was a fairly mid-range format with a handful yeah. of aggressive decks, but the difference was whether or not your lands uh, came into play tapped. Like mono Black Devotion, Mono Blue Devotion didn't really play a lot of temples. I think at its height, Mono Black played six, and it was split four Blue-White, two... Sorry, uh, four Blue-Black, two White-Black. Yeah, and you played. Yeah, you played the blue blacks because they scryed and allowed you to cast your own Night Vale Specters, and then anything from the mono blue decks that you ate off the top. Yeah, and the white black was just because you wanted extra scries in that deck, but you had plays starting on two. Yep. Mm, yeah. So you had to make sure you had that available then. Yeah, and the the red green monster deck that I referenced earlier played four temples, and yep. it was very much a, a mid range deck. but was able to keep the board clear in the early turns with lightning strike. Yeah, and I don't think there's a one. We didn't have magma spray, did we? I think no, so. I think that that had rotated out. I okay. believe I'm not sure though. Yes. Oh no, uh, we had magma jet, jet? not okay. magma spray. Yeah. Yeah, magma spray came later. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to think what the other burn spell was. So yeah, and that format basically you had all three pillars of magic. You had aggro in the mono red deck. You had mid range in mono blue, mono black. Devotion and the Abzan decks, and you had the control deck in blue-black control that was very much proved and tested by Adrian Sullivan. Yep. It, it, like perilous vault, a bunch of temples, aether spouts, and you just slowed down the game. Yeah. And it was a, a, a nice way to do things. And, and giving you that equity back in Theros and Core 20 to kind of put five unique lands in each spot allows you to kind of keep standard moving along at that interesting pace instead of more ETB tap lands because you have a core yeah. set you need something to do. No, half your land cycle can be ETB tap land. The other half could finish out. What did we just get? Uh, uh, we got half a cycle of something not too long ago. I can't remember what it was. Uh, well, we got the choked estuary stuff. That's right. Uh, like yeah. the BFZ and SOI cycles, what, yeah. you got half a cycle on. And yeah, exactly. And if we're going back to Zendikar, we can get ahead of the game and start putting some of those interesting lands in core sets, especially if you want to put the cycling lands in core set. 
Yeah. Because cycling is just kind of an evergreen. Not. It's evergreen in the sense they can put it wherever they want, but it's not evergreen to every plane. It's it's a weird mechanic. Yeah. It's it's nice, like, and it is. I agree. It's it's evergreen, and but not to every plane, and that's why I think it's great to have something like that in a core set. Yeah. So. It's exciting, but corsets don't really offer a lot of equity in terms of finance. It's just yeah. nice to look forward to. And do they tell us this is going to be Tefri time again? I feel like I heard about that. I don't know if they did or not. Okay. Uh, I know, you know, Zendikar is... I don't know which Zendikar it is. I guess you you did some research, so you know. Yep. But uh, I, I don't know if it's Tefri time or not. Okay. I thought I heard somebody complaining about that, but... I, didn't, I I forgot to look it up before the cast, and I don't want to take a look. Better now. than Jay's time. It's true. I'll take it. Yeah, no, I will definitely take... Especially if he comes back as mono blue. Oh, God. No. Oh. I sh just kill him. Kill him. <sighs> sure. Whatever. <laughs> but, moving on to the last set. Zendikar. We're going back, back again. Yeah. And I thought we were just going to be beating this dead horse because people that weren't players liked Zen... Uh, sorry. People that weren't Spikes liked Zendikar. Zendikar had a rancid draft where one of your five colors was unplayable in green. And overall, people did not like what Zendikar did to Standard. However, two days ago on uh, Marrow's blog... And I'll pull this up because it is worth the read. The old blogatog. He was asked, basically, why are we going back to Zendikar? And he has two reasons. One is that it is the best-selling set in the 26-year history of Magic. But there are room for improvements. And the other part is they're going to be revisiting the original Zendikar. Instead of just spaghetti time, which is what we had last time around. Yeah. So to me, this sounds like we're going back to Zendikar and World Wake a little bit, not ROE. Yeah, I uh, the, the key point that I think he's missing here, and I will always take the opportunity to jab the dagger at Wizards when I can, uh, maybe it sold so well because you had expeditions in it. Just a thought. Bingo, bango. Right. That's, we're, we're done. Uh, Oath no of the Gage Watch didn't sell poorly because the set was also rancid. It sold poorly because the expeditions in that set were also rancid. Yes. We got Tech Edge in there. Hootie hoo. Oh, boy. <laughs> Immediately outclassed. Ancient yeah. Tomb was in that one, I think. I don't, there were a handful of good ones from Oath, but compared to Zendikar, man, there was battle. There was nothing. Yeah. So, we're not quite done beating this dead horse. We're going to wring out as much cash as we can before we're done with the set. So this means, to me, a lot financially. The most obvious call-out is we haven't had these five shock uh, fetchlands printed in some time but we got it's our onslaught fetch mm -hmm. but we got our onslaught fetch lands and cons which is a, a set that was not printed into the ground but a set that lives in pretty, a lot of closets right now oh yeah yeah printed opened uh, and squirreled away to nobody's business no end. also worth noting and this was something that you know that as soon as this got launched oh everyone we're gonna get them because Mero said there's never gonna be shocks and fetches in a standard again all of the Ravnica sets rotate with the release of Zendikar Rising. Absolutely. 
And so, showing my age again, going back to Onslaught standard, you are fetching ba 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 basics, and you know what? Yep. That was not bad. No, it's fine. You pick up your deck, you shuffle it. Nobody cares. It's not really a concern. It doesn't take that much time away from you or your friends' lives. It is not Sensei's Divining Top. It does not delay t tournaments. No. If you have a problem you think people are shuffling for too long, then learn how to shuffle differently. Or when your opponent gives you their deck to shuffle, you just mash it once, cut it, and give it back. You don't have yep. to spend 30 seconds shuffling. It's really not as bad as people want to think it is, and a lot of people bring this argument down to spikes versus the world here. No, fetching is perfectly fine. People play fetches all over EDH, and nobody complains about Evolving Wilds and Terramorphic Expanse when they are main deck uh, mandatory. Yeah, People it's forgot, fine. apparently, that Green Black Snake needed uh, Evolving Wilds. That, that deck no needed snake. four. You had to. Yeah. Yeah. To turn, on, to turn on push and uh, to be able <clears throat> to get your weird mana online for uh, Snake and Rishkar and be able to still yep. cast Fatal Push and everything else. Like, uh, Sorry. Snake, Rishkar, and... Uh, Nissa, because she was the double green pin. Oh, yeah, she was, yeah. Right. So, not a guarantee, but it's definitely one of those places where we could get fetches, and it is kind of a glowing beacon a glowing beacon coming up. If you're sitting on extra fetches and you are unsure about them, we have a very long time before we start getting spoilers about this. You can wait until Q3 of uh, 2020, and then somewhere around there, dump, because I really don't think we're going to get any Zen fetches, any, any fetches in the meantime. And all they yeah. do is go up. So you can just ride this wave into core 20, 2021, sorry, and then dump those. The the other thing that I think we might see is a lot of callback to these cards that have just blown out of proportion for what they do in EDH. Things like Oracle Moldaya, which we've called out a number of times, is currently sitting at 35. And if we go back to, yep. quote-unquote, original Zendikar the way it was... This wasn't a card that necessarily made the format. It was played in the Valakut deck, yes, because it was one of the best ramp spells in that format. But yeah. it is a casual favorite. Yep. Uh, oh. Like that, I think Goblin Guide would be a reasonable include if you want to have like an aggressive yep. deck right out of the gate. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we have I've... things like uh, Blood Gas and Warren Instigator to also keep the... the that from that format kind of churning bloodgast was played in that format there despite the fact that callblade was kind of running rampant one of the answers to it at <clears> at least the local level was black red vampires where bloodgast put in a ton of work yep uh warren instigator wasn't there was a there's this weird goblins deck for a minute that played that four cmc goblin enchantment that made tokens yeah and i think instigator was in that deck just so you could, you could drop uh the corset lord uh chieftain chieftain at that point yeah yeah the one that gives haste and plus one plus one to all your other goblins so you can kind of like go wide a little bit and get the job done but it was not good by any stretch of the imagination yeah but then you have weird not weird cards but cards that you will always be asked for when you work events soren markov blood chief ascension and then uh either archive trap or mind mind break trap yeah we were talking about it a little bit mind mind break trap was just kind of outclassed in modern by Flusterstorm. But Mind Break Trap is still a card that will show up in Legacy sideboards from time to time. If you're yep. playing a deck that's meant to be lean and clean on your mana and you want to be casting two or three spells a turn so you need all your mana, well, there's no better answer to a Storm spell or the Storm trigger than Mind Break Trap because it just erases yeah. the stack. And those decks don't have the ability to counter you back. So it, it's, it's definitely a card that's a worthwhile inclusion. And both of these traps were only printed once. 
archive a rare at I think I saw it was twelve. So there's only yep. one printing in both foil and non-foil. Mindbreak was a mythic. seven or eight at a mythic. One printing. Yep. Right? For both of those. Same thing with Blood Chief Ascension. And it's sixteen dollars right now for that card. Twelve dollars for that card. Yeah. Soren Markov is the uh, the original Soren, quote unquote. It's a sixteen dollar Walker and Sop, uh, a reprint and a corset. All these cards are easily targetable. Maybe not Soren, just because well, yeah. we, we moved on so much from what Soren was. You know, we uh, Quantum leapt uh, many years later, and he's now you know Vampire Lord Extraordinary. He's no longer you know gatting people for half their life. One day he'll be back. Oh, absolutely. I assume we're yeah. going to get him. He's not from Zendikar, but he hangs out there from time to time. There are vampires. I I, I think he's a notable inclusion in the set, but I don't think we're going to get Soren Markov. If we do, however, that card should tank from 16 down to somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 8 to 10. Oh, yeah. Like I said, that card saw a, one single reprint in a core set. And this is a set that, if they're going back to the original, we might still get Landfall. That, that was huge. Uh, you know, all, I think Cobbley might have been the only deck that really didn't take advantage of Landfall, and I say that with a very loose grip on the understanding yeah. of the format, because only Black-Red Vampires and Valakut otherwise took advantage of Landfall, and it was in for two cards and one card. Uh, yeah. Respectively. Uh, I could see Landfall coming back, actually. It re you know, it's a fair mechanic that rewards you for playing the game, unlike... Yeah. You know, delve. Yep. But and it's it, also like a three on the storm scale, so yeah, it's maybe it's, it's not hard to understand. The only time it gets yeah. weird is when you have cards that like Kalani Hard Expedition that say three or more counters. Yeah. Like, why would you ever let that card get past three in that environment? I, there's Hex Parasite wasn't a card. Vampire Hex Mage was, but Vampire Hex Mage eats all your counters, so I don't know why you would. Why yeah. You'd whatever. Stop it. But. I think this is a set that actually means more for people in regards to getting out ahead of time. Yeah. You know, they've only touched on the fact that we have a build-your-own-monster in, uh, in the layer of Behemoths, but there are two sets that we still have no idea what's coming. Yeah. So we don't get those spoilers until Core 2021's passed, but this is definitely something you need to keep your eyes peeled for. Agreed. There... I don't think we're going to get a lot of plants ahead of time, and I don't mean, like, the creatures. I mean, like, the actual cards themselves. Yeah, like, here's a, a leak. Leaks are bad. Whatever, guys. Well, well not even that, right? We, like, we talked about earlier, uh, there was the red-white Gideon. Uh, the red-white yeah. winds of change that had Gideon and the Underworld in it. It was from War of the Spark. Yeah, you know, and that, it foreshadowed, hey, we're going to go here. That's the plan. Yeah, despite we're the correct. fact that there have yeah. been rumors for over a year that we were going back to Theros next. Yeah. You have to be vigilant of what's coming up if there's a decent land fetchable land cycle in the next few sets that's uh that is either immediately dual lands or has the ability to become or find additional dual lands then we probably will not see those enemy fetches and you might want to pick up the ones you need asap yeah likewise if we don't see that then getting out of extras around core 2021 is probably going to be the smart move unless for whatever reason between now and then myro just comes out and straight shoots no we're not putting them in the set guaranteed 100 percent. yeah that that that's always a possibility that he just comes out because people bug him too much yeah 
just keep poking the bear. He'll yeah. tell us one way or another, guys. Do that for us. Exactly. Thanks. So I think out of all the sets that we're looking at in the next year, this is the only set where buying into certain things does not make a lot of sense because there's a lot of value tied up in Zendikar cards as a whole. It's top-loaded yeah. on the fetch lands, but there are some other casual favorites that immediately tank because of because of a reprint. Yeah, and for sure. I wanted to call out a lot of the easy-to-reprint cards that have worth. The traps not might might not seem like the most easily reprintable cards because they are weird and awkward to understand. Yeah. Like I played the snake trap in my Zendikar uh, release pool because it was just a good card, but it was not intuitive to play. The conditions nope. on that thing. Ravenous Trap is actually easy to understand, but to understand why it's good and when to play it properly, it, that's a different story. It's yeah. a very high barrier to that to that understanding. Mind Break and Archive are a little different. Obviously, Mind Break is like here, I kill you with Grape Shot. Cool, Mind Break you in response. So that's obvious. So I don't know if we're going to going to get traps, but it is definitely something you want to watch out for. People yeah. love Mill, and this is one of the most efficient Mill spells because it costs zero. As opposed to Glimpse, which costs a whole two. Yeah. Uh, also on the call-out now, I think about it, Hedron Crab. Yeah, that's true. Uh, speaking of people loving Mill, they, that was eaten up during that time. Oh, yeah. So, I, uh, also, obvious, I can't believe we didn't think of this sooner, uh, Allies mm. from Worldwake. That was yeah. a pretty pretty relevant archetype back in the day. And uh, we could see some allies come back, like Halimar Excavator, Hagrid Diabolus, stuff like that. Yeah, we saw some additional allies in BFZ. They are a relevant creature type, so I, I will probably see allies, and we'll see uh, core of some sort, like Baron... No, not Forge Tender, that's, a, that's not a core. That's a Kithkin. Yeah, uh, Core Firewalker. Obviously, that one's in the name, yeah. Skyfisher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised to see that stuff either. No, definitely, and especially if we not let's say we do leave Zendikar, but we do the same thing where we go from Throne of Eldraine, which is like a Grimm's fairy tale kind of plane, into Theros, which is Greek mythos, and we stay in that kind of fantasy. Like obviously we're playing a fantasy game, right? But like that kind of uh, mythos, we step away from Zendikar, we go somewhere else that has an overall feeling of the same plane. Then yeah, we can definitely see a lot of uh, carryover from that. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I don't. No, when we get the next announcement for this. I don't think they're just going to keep announcing one set at a time. I assume we're just going to get this yearly, so you just have to kind of remember what's coming out and, ex and set expectations appropriately. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely going to be a neat way to look at the year ahead and see what's coming yeah. out, because this allows you to kind of point your money at different things, not just cards, but like, okay, you know, if we're going into Big Dumb Creature set, maybe I don't want to, you know, blow my wallet out for uh, Eldrain. I want to hold it for uh, Theros, see what's there. If there's anything that allows me to, some enablers for big dumb creatures, I'll buy those, and then the rest for the big dumb creatures kind of thing. So yeah. it's it's interesting that we kind of get this feel instead of just coming out with, like, all right, here we have Onslaught Legions and Scourge, and that's two creatures, like, two sets and one that's all creatures. Thanks. Yeah. <clears throat> This is going to be an interesting time, and I'm excited. Uh, out of all the sets that we know, we're getting to, we're, we're getting, including Eldraine. I'm most excited for uh, Ecoria or Ecoria. Yeah. Not because I, I like uh, Battlecruiser magic or just big dumb creatures, but if they want to make magic creature centric, I think this is the set you're going to see some mistakes like Deathrite Shaman. Yeah, 
I agree. It's it's the one you'll most likely see that happen where they'll not properly test and everything goes off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. But on the way out, you got anything aside from picks? Uh, besides the picks, uh, the one thing that I think is worth keeping an eye on, uh, we still don't have a GP schedule for next year, and we're getting pretty late. Mm-hmm. in the year here guys so keep an eye on that i don't know if that means good or bad things for the future of competitive magic but uh not sure it means great things at all so just you know worth keeping an eye on oh yeah i'd assume there's a lot going on because of the new tournament structure and how you move up and down within the system like obviously yeah. a lot of it was digital there's not a whole lot going on for paper so they're probably figuring that out and uh maybe we see some venue shifts this year yeah or uh, time of year changes. Maybe we don't get a clunker course set. That would be great. So so Sealed is actually an event people want to travel to in a city they would like to play it in. Would be nice. I mean, if you put Modern or Legacy out there, I think that event would have been fine. Lights on or off, it doesn't matter. But I think Course Set Limited out in Detroit was not a recipe for success. No, that was bad. No. That was very bad. No. But, <laughs> alright. All that aside, time for picks. Yes. Alright. Uh, so. Yeah, why don't you take this one first? You're, you were excited I, to find your stack. I am. Uh, so I'm actually going, and I'm, I'm running it back. I know I picked it a couple weeks ago, but I've been paying attention to it. We have actually bottomed out on this card now. Uh, I'm going Unbound Flourishing. I'm currently sitting on two foils and about 20 non-foils. I'm going to be picking that up rapidly over the next couple weeks. Uh, As many people pointed out when the card got spoiled, financially it is clearly the most significant card in all of Modern Horizons, which has started to bottom out. We're seeing the end of the road here where we've hit our all-time low at 344 Mm -hmm. uh, for Unbound Flourishing right now, and the foils are around 23 for a market so i think it's a prime opportunity to jump on this we're probably not getting another reprint we got our second supply in and to avoid what happened with battle bond and everything where three months into next year oh man this is yeah real cheap and i need as many of these as i can get and all of a sudden the price skyrockets now is clearly the time to buy in on this card yeah for what it's worth we're not going to see any of these because we're we're running out of time for additional brawl deck distribution yeah if anybody's heard tale of that stores are getting extremely limited quantities because distro has extremely limited quantities it's come yeah. out from a number of sources from uh distro and lgs alike so there's no room for another printing of modern horizons in calendar year 2019 if brawl is so far behind yeah they're uh one of the local shops ended up with 20 collector boosters and two Brawl decks. So to give you an idea of how limited it is, if the collector's boosters, they're only getting 20. They're getting two sets of Brawl decks. So it's very limited. I don't think we have time to get this reprint in this year, like you said, and we've hit our bottom. So I think it's only a matter of time before this big, dumb dude spell in green that for some reason is three mana uh, and is clearly an EDH all-star is bottomed out. I, I think this card has every opportunity in a year to be where doubling season was prior to its first reprint as a $40 to $50 card. Yeah, it's going to take some time. For doubling season, it took a lot longer because the advent of the of the commander format 
took yeah. a lot longer. I just don't know but why people don't look at this card and see it. I it's pretty obvious to me. Uh, I just I think it's a great opportunity and hey, that's that's my pick. Yeah, no, surefire, guaranteed to make money. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, the weekend of DC, I was on the floor and I bought my copies. That I couldn't yeah. believe the card was six dollars at release, like, and it just held steady and then the bottom fell out. So yep, you got to figure that one. Out. I didn't want to bring up the price graph because there's no need. It's just a downward trend. We we picked it like two months ago, and if we're picking it again, that means people really need to pay attention to this to this card because our time our timeline on it is still pretty much the same, but it has room to grow. Yeah, my pick for this week is actually a card that I thought was printed more often than it was, it, but lo and behold, it is three printings. Insurrection. The biggest, dumbest red spell <laughs> to ever be printed. Eight mana sorcery that wins you the game. Exactly. As long as you can cast this spell, which means you're playing at least three red sources, you're most likely going to be playing this card, unless you're some combo deck that doesn't care. Which is fine. Yeah. But the, the price trajectory on this card has been nothing but up in all versions. I believe Onslaught was a 2002 set. The next printing was in the original Plane Chase? In September. Uh, yeah. September 2012. We're getting closer, right? That's seven years ago. And then the original Commander. And the original Commander deck basically in August of 2012. The yeah. last time that card was printed, and every version of this card follows the same price traje price trajectory from around Oath of the Gate Watch on forward, where it jumps from about $3.5 and it's just cruising up to 8 And market yeah. has been telling the uh, average on this card the entire time. We're seeing a little bit of, of an inflection right now, and there's no reason this card just keeps going, doesn't keep going up. Yeah. This is. It's not a good card to have in standard because it is a miserable card to open and draft and has no place in any given constructed format. This is a yeah. supplemental set card where it may or may not be a set for drafting, though usually most are, and even then it's still rancid to draft. So if they're going to do this and they want to keep these formats draftable the only place i can see this card ever being printed again is a commander set the reason i held off on the pick was because i wanted to ensure that this card was not printed in the commander sets and then we had a couple things pop up ahead of time that i liked more than insurrection yeah i don't think this card goes from like the seven eight dollars that it is now to close to 20 overnight but this is a card that just steadily climbs it's easy to find in binders it's easy to find in stores and eventually it's just going to dry up I mean, even, you know, it, you know me, I love shiny things because I'm a goblin. Uh, the foil at 35 for one foil printing, mm -hmm. it gets up to 50 to 60 pretty quickly. Yes. And I mean, looking at, you know, listing results on TCG Player, we're basically at like sub 500 listings of this card total. Yes. And that's absurd. Yeah. And it's just... It gets eaten up a little bit at a time, and it's just one of these commander cards that people just don't pay attention to, but when they need it, they look for it, and they are like, wow, this card costs much more than I thought. Just like repercussion. People don't follow that yeah. card. It goes up in, in cost all the time because it is a combo kill card, and you just kind of stuck with it. Yeah. 
But I don't think they can reprint Repercussion. That's on the the RL, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Nope, and even if it's not, it's definitely soft RL because yeah, it it's is. not the type of effect that they would, you know, sim similar to Winter Orb, it's the type of thing that they don't want to do it's, in a standard environment. Uh, yeah, no, you'll 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 never see it there. You might see it in Commander, but the weird part is you can't pair repercussions with a lot of red spells because yeah. that's how you just draw a game out, and nobody feels good about that one. Blast of the Sack, Star Storm, uh, Chain Reaction, uh, any red spell that just deals damage across the field, Repercussion generally ends the yeah. game. But, With the quickness, yes. so to speak. Oh, absolutely. But Insurrection is a card I like. It's a card I, I track. It's a card I do have a handful of copies for, uh, copies of, not just for EDH, but because I've just been picking up over over time. If they're offered, why not? It's because this is always a card that I can move pretty easily in a trade. It's a very liquid yeah. card to commander players. You don't just have to be uh, is it a Timmy to really want to play this card. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's a clear-cut finisher at almost any table. It is a worthwhile inclusion in any deck that plays red that isn't just pure combo, like I mentioned. There's no yeah. reason why... This card just doesn't keep going up until it gets reprinted, and at this point, I'm just retreading my points. So, yep. <laughs> but it is definitely worth picking up. I think. Mm -hmm. I I also had not given this card this card any consideration until you mentioned it. Basically, exactly. So. We uh, Eternal Central unbanned Maze of Ith, and I I just started thinking like. This is how I got to Insurrection previously, but when they banned it, I gave it some more thought. And I was like, this is actually not, not the worst pick in the world, and there are a lot of cards like this. Cards that yeah. are just staples or pseudo-staples to the Commander format that just go kind of, like, under the radar. And until something yeah. silly happens, like Eternal Central unbans Maze of It, or the card only has three printings in supplemental sets and a set from 2002, that once they dry up, they're gone, they skyrocket, they come back into the... Of the general population and now you're paying you know three four five times what you would have before yeah for this, sure this might not be a money maker for you in the months to come or the years to come but this is definitely a card you can turn around for profit and make your time playing magic easier which is really the, the crux of what we're trying to do here yeah so i don't have anything else you uh just the the date for our raffle pick oh yes we did decide on that Go for it. So, uh, Throne of Aldrain pre-release is Friday, September 27th. We will be picking our winner of the C19 set the weekend before that, so we can get in touch with you before all the pre-release hype. So, yep. if you are interested and not a patron yet, you have 10 more days to get in on that, essentially, before we pick that weekend, because that's where we're pulling our list from, and yeah, whoever signed up as a patron... And once that happens, we'll get the C19 set out, and then we'll talk about the next raffle. Yep. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. We are at MTG Cabalcast. I am at Thirsty Sizzler. I am at Halt I am Reptar. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Patreon. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate it.